All right, so we're with Ed Wadley on podcast number 26, and we're going to be chatting with Ed today about the public order unit that he's part of with uh, Ottawa, and I'll let Ed explain a little bit more about this, because perhaps in the States this is a little more relevant or a little more usual, but in the west part of Canada this is pretty much unheard of for us. So Ed, what is this public order unit that we're chatting about? Right on. So the um, the official fr- uh, the official name for it is the fire support unit, and that's the firefighting component of what is known as the police uh, emergency services unit, uh, which is a again a subunit of the Ottawa Police Service. And the emergency service unit itself uh, is mainly made up of police officers, but then there's also a the fire support unit, which is us, and then the paramedic support unit, which is obviously paramedics. All right. So leads to a whole bunch of questions but let's start with the why first like why do we have firefighters on what's essentially a police riot squad basically yeah so what they've found from previous incidences including vancouver uh in the i think it's the 2010 was it when they uh had the stanley cup where they lost the stanley cup um the which one i was a young boy when i first rioted downtown wait a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the uh, the St. Paddy's Day riot in London, Ontario, what they found was that fire can act as a catalyst for the crowd. It can ramp the crowd up again. It just sort of acts, like I say, as a catalyst, as, a, as, a, as an accelerator for the mood of the crowd. And in a normal sort of violent riot, you're not going to get your normal fire department is not going to be able to respond to that because they don't have the training, they don't have the equipment, and uh, it's just it's too hard and too risky for them to make entry and put those fires out, which, as we saw in the sort of L.A. riots, uh, that can quickly turn into actual structure fires and buildings. You start losing whole city blocks because no one's there to actually put them out. Um, so what they've done is they, they started with a small team of about 10 guys, and we're now at about 16 guys, and uh, we train with the police. We're, we're equipped in public order gear with the helmets, the body armor, and uh, the idea is we'll go forward with police protection and put these fires out, and that uh, that acts as a damper on the crowd and sort of keeps things low, and it keeps obviously the uh, the dam- the costs and damages to public property to a minimum. All right, so you see a train with the police. Is there an annual, semi-annual, biannual, whatever type of training that gets done here? What does that look like? So it's basically biannual, I'd say, uh, with a few scattered days here and there. Um, each member, when they join the team, they do a basic public order course with the police, which includes all the movements, some defensive tactics, mainly just for self-defense, um, the commands, the, the command structures of the teams. And then we take a fire component where we teach them how to use the, the specific equipment that we have. And then the ongoing training is sort of once we have a, like a winter training block where we get together, do the formations, run around about a week. You have a spring training block, which is usually in, uh, in Petawawa, an army base in Ontario, where we actually go up and we do sort of full scenarios from level one, which is like a, uh, a compliant crowd, like a candidate, uh, uh, candidate or some sort of public holiday crowd, all the way up to level three, which is an opposed riot. Um, and then we have a fall training block as well, where we just sort of keep everyone fresh on the, again, the, the words of commands, the formations and the tactics. All right, so is this a voluntary thing with fire? Like, is it tertiary duty from your regular fire duties, volunteer? Like, how does that play out? 
Yeah, so so we asked for guys to volunteer, uh, as in, uh, like, we asked for people to want to do it. And then there's a selection process dealing uh, that starts with an interview, a resume uh, review, and then um, we st- we do have a, like a job performance requirement fitness test that we uh, that we brought in to make sure they can uh, because there's a fitness test with the police too. We have to when in Ontario they have what's called the pin test, the police fitness pin. Uh, there's sort of three levels to this fitness test. It's based on a mile and a half run, sit ups, push ups, uh, a core strength test, and a core flexibility test. And uh, based on the score you get on that is what sort of level of pin you get for the police. We do that test as well. Um, and then we had our own job performance requirements test where that's a walk for a certain amount of time on a treadmill with a heavy pack and wearing a respirator, do some job related uh, tasks after that. And just to make sure that they can actually physically do the job. Uh, once they're on that, then yeah, it is voluntary. It's still compensated in line with our collective agreement, but it's uh, it's sort of when we do have call outs, when we have, um, sort of riots that come up on the radar uh, we're, we're not we're not forced to go but uh we're encouraged to attend as many as we can all right so i've got a i've got a ton of questions still here for you say no riots come up on the radar so i mean you're ottawa probably not a huge marching season in the winter there unless it's on skates and with igloos uh so is there like a typical period that this occurs are you guys like pre-staged for some of these events or is it mostly a, like a response thing where it's a call out? So a lot of the, most of the ones we do are sort of pre-planned um, protests that happen every year, such as the March for Life. Uh, there's a Turkish Armenian demo that we go to. Um, and sometimes there are things that do come up with, we're technically on two hours notice to move. That's the idea, but we generally get about a day's notice or a week's notice because in Ottawa, there are actually, I think the average is about 300 protests a year of varying shapes and sizes. Uh, majority of which are dealt with uh, another auto police unit called, called the demo squad. And they just go to demonstrations and they're there to act as police liaison with the demonstrators saying, you know, you, you, you have a permit to march here and march here only. This is the area you're supposed to march in. Um, if it goes up above and beyond that, or we expect there's going to be counter protests by different factions and we'll get called in. And we usually, Depends on this on the type of protest, but we can either be out in force or we're just staged um, like a block away, sitting in vans waiting for something to happen. Okay. Now you talked a little bit about the gear, and you spoke a little bit that you're wearing similar gear in regards to helmet uh, armor that the police officers are wearing. Are you identified anyway as firefighters differently? And the second part to that question is, what specific fire gear are you? employing on these incidents okay so yeah we uh we are uh, very visibly identified as fire um all our name badges are in red uh we have fire badges on the backpacks and on our vests and then we have uh, our actual white helmets like the riot squad helmets that you see the police have a blue line that goes around them ours have a red line uh, and the paramedics have a green line obviously um and so, yeah, it's very, very, and we also have our own fire badges as well that are uh, on our shoulders. And then uh, for the equipment we're carrying, we have each sort of four-man team will have a hydrant bag, which has uh, 200 feet of inch and three-quarter hose, uh, the adapters to hook into a hydrant. So we can just hook into a two and a half inch port on one of the hydrants and flow water straight from there, usually for sort of car fires or incipient structure fires. 
And then we also have a guy with a, a 10 liter pressurized water uh, extinguisher with cold fire, which is a, a wetting agent that we use. Um, it's like a foam, but it's not quite the same properties as a foam, but it does uh, aid the uh, the cooling effect of the, uh, the water. And uh, like I say, it's a wetting agent. And then we also have a six liter uh, pressurized a cold fire extinguisher at 6% cold fire and water that we can use for, uh, that's used for life safety for Molotovs, um, any sort of fire, like small fires, garbage cans, that kind of thing. Okay. So you're actually carrying a fairly substantial amount of equipment with you for that four person team. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's usually, yeah. Per man, it's about 45 to 50 pounds on average. All right. So you're out. What's the average call? Like if you're wandering around the city, what, how long are you carrying that stuff for? Um, it, like it depends on the protest. I said the longest one we've had uh, was one of the March for Life demos uh, where we had counter protesters that were trying to disrupt it. And we end up running around for about six to eight hours. Uh, that was very dynamic and then we were mm -hmm. moving quite a bit with that. Um, but um, sort of the longer ones are sort of the candidate uh, deployments which are up to 14 hours where we're just patrolling. We're just like, uh, it's just a, a surge police presence, uh, presence in the downtown core to, to keep things on the quiet. Okay. Um, when do you guys get pulled back? Like are there times when it would be, Hey, you know, this is too dangerous and you guys get pulled back from the police unit or are you integrated for better or worse? We're basically integrated for better, for worse. Um, even if there, I suppose the only time would be if there was any sort of uh, like an active shooter event, which you do train for, we would suck back into cover. Um, but then we would swap, uh, we'd switch from the public order role into an uh, IARD role. So an immediate action rapid deployment role where we then uh, take on the role of uh, rescue task forces. So once the contact teams have gone out to take on the killer and take them down, uh, then we will go forward with the police to start rescuing people and bringing them back to a CCP or to a, to a warm zone, basically where the, where the casualties can then be transported. Alrighty. So you mentioned the RTF, the rescue task force for folks that don't understand what that is. I know for instance, Vancouver fire just started their own RTF training just this year. It's much bigger in the States than it is in Canada. Now, is your public order unit, is that your training part of being in the RTF, or is the RTF a different unit, or is all Ottawa firefighters trained to RTF? No, right now, I think the uh, the hope is that we eventually have uh, a, like a, a, a large handful of guys across the job, across all four shifts uh, that are RTF trained. But for now, it's the FSU members, and that came from the fact that we were training for the IRD events in a public order setting. And then we realized we could easily adapt this to any sort of active shooter or active killer event. Uh, so we we sent guys on it. We all took a two day course with auto police on IRD where we do the rescue task force role. And then even now we do continuation training where every couple of weeks there's either recruit class or a recertification class by OPS. And then we join in with that and uh, act as the RTF role players. And to, and to also get refreshed ourselves, but also to show uh, the regular patrol officers that, look, if you get an active, kill, active shooter call at whatever location in the city, you'll have a paramedic and a fire guy show up who are, who are equipped and trained to go into that uh, hot zone with you as a rescue task force. Okay, so you're putting in one fire, one paramedic with that police officer, or are you putting in multiples? 
into that. What's it'll the, be a, it'll be a four. Like a, I think a minimum is a, at least a three man police team, and then yeah, a, a paramedic and a fire. Uh, and they'll have one of two roles, either triage, so they're going in and applying immediate first aid, sort of tourniquets and blast dressings, uh, alias dressings, mass bleeds, and putting people in recovery positions. And then tagging, the paramedic tags these individuals, either red, yellow, greens, or blacks. And then any subsequent fire and medics that show up go in as a rescue teams to pull them, pull those victims out behind the, the initial rescue team. Now, with that uh, training, did you guys get like TECC, like the emergency services component sort of of the TCCC program? We did, yeah. I think it was a shorter, a shortened version of it, but we did uh, two days at the paramedic headquarters going through the TCCC that was taught by the tactical paramedics. Okay. We're on a way huge tangent here, so let's try to go back okay. to where we're originally coming from. Um, now, you've obviously been deployed out with the uh, – emergency services unit on some of these uh, marches and what have you have you actually had to engage to put out fire put out vehicle fires or anything like that or deal with medical casualties yet no the uh, some medical as in very very minor stuff um just basically either candidates either intoxications or just falls and bumps and spills the, the idea of the public order unit is, and this is one thing that impressed me when I when I first joined the unit, is that when you're doing your public order training throughout, the it's hammered down to you that you are there to protect everyone's rights, uh, the right to protest, the right to assemble, the right to, uh, you know, basically uh, to be healthy and safe in a, in a city. So we tend to keep things the whole idea is to keep things from getting to the point where car cars are getting flipped over, trash cans are set on fire. Um, and there's multiple techniques we can do to, uh, to do that. And that's more of the police operations to keep it at a lower level than it needs to be. So we always try to keep a, a uh, less aggressive stance than necessary. Like if it's a, if we know it's going to be an opposed or somewhat dynamic protest, we won't just roll out in all the public order gear. We'll still keep up. We'll still keep ball caps on and soft body armor and just try to main, try to the, like I say, the, the lower stress you can, or the lower level of um, crowd dynamic can keep it at the easier it is to control and easier it is to manage. So we haven't had that yet in Ottawa touch wood, um, but we train for it all the time. So. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. So basically, fire police and ambulance integrated together into both public service or public order units, rescue task forces, immediate response to dynamic events as a group unit, as opposed to yeah. three individuals. Now, do you run like a unified command system in this or is it a police incident and you fall directly under the police command system in these types of events? Yeah, so for us uh, at the ground level, we, we fall under the police command, uh, but it is unified. Um, for example, if I was acting as a TL, I would say to the section commander of the police, look, we need to push forward to do this. Uh, but it is overall a police operation. Um, and you mentioned the team dynamic. And it, they've the one thing we've done really well in Ottawa is sort of break down those service barriers between the, between the three services. And uh, they've done a great job of building that esprit de corps amongst the team um, to the point where we all get issued ESU coins and they're all, they're all, they have the Ottawa badge on the Ottawa police badge on them, but they're, they're identified as other fire or paramedics, but we're all coined in as these, uh, as members of this team, we all operate as members of the team. 
and through the training, we, we get to know all the guys, we get to know uh, all the cops and the medics. And we're, it, it's a really cool dynamic to see us all working together out in the field or on the actual deployments. Now, just explain, I mean, I can obviously see some things, but the benefits in the training and the relationships that you've built on these other units and how that filters back into a regular job riding the back or driving a truck. It's it's rare because because it's such a small population of both services that are in this team. It's rare that you see them on the road, but uh, I've run into ESU guys on the road more, like quite a few times. Um, it's just a case like you know them, you're you know how to work together. You both know each other. Um, it's just an easier easier sort of scene dynamic to work with each other on a scene. Um, and at the very least, if someone just to talk to when you're uh, when you're when you're sitting on a on a ten fifty on a car accident, we're waiting for the tow trucks to show up. You got someone to talk to because you know them, and you, and you can pass along the scuttlebutt or talk about the next week's training or what have you. So, right on. And just for the folks out there listening, how many firefighters in Ottawa? Uh, Full time around eight hundred, and then another I think it's five to six hundred uh, volunteers. It's a composite service. Okay, so we're, it is a fairly large service there. Yeah. Right on. Any other thoughts or comments on the uh, public order unit? No, uh, no. Top of my head, just that it's um, it's a great experience. It's, a, it's and really experience to, to take part in as a firefighter, and it's um, it's stuff that you wouldn't normally do as as a firefighter. So, the, which makes it all the more fun, I guess, and it's a great team to be a part of. Right on. Well, we'll cut this one here. Thank you very much, Ed. And uh, we'll have you back on to a future one for certain. Right on. Thanks a lot.